Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We have quite an assortment of guests on today's show. In our second segment, we're going to talk to, well, we're going to air excerpts from the press conference with Senator John Edwards, who came to the Mondavi Center on Monday night. And we'll also be joined by a good friend of ours, uh, George Franco, who accompanied me to that press conference. In our third segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Jack Anderson with someone who had lunch with Mr. Anderson many years ago, Jane Rusconi, researcher, uh, actress, and screenwriter from Hollywood will talk to us um, uh, in segment three. We'll also uh, conclude our, our show with a talk with Dr. Amir Alexander from the Planetary Society to talk about what's going to happen on Saturday night. And if you're not uh, not aware of this, the Stardust uh, NASA probe is returning back to hopefully land intact with pieces, or at least, well, very small pieces of a comet on board. If you're not doing anything at 2 a.m., or just a little bit before 2 a.m. Saturday night, I would propose, weather permitting, you go out and look to the north. This thing is going to come streaking over us, and it's going to make quite a show in the sky. Presumably, it'll be visible for about 90 seconds, and we'll get as bright as Venus. It is going to be one heck of a shooting star. All right. On this date in history, which is January 12th in the year 1954... U.S. Secretary of State John Foster Dulles announced that the United States will protect its allies through the deterrence of massive retaliatory power. The policy was a signal that the Eisenhower administration would rely on the nation's nuclear arsenal for defense against communist aggression. Of course, in 1996, troops from Russia and the United States both arrived in Bosnia to help with the peacekeeping efforts it was the two countries' first joint military action since World War II. And of course, now we and the Russians apparently get on pretty well. be nice if the both of us took down all those nukes we have pointed at each other, wouldn't it? On this date in 1970, the would-be Republic of Biafra, its people dying of starvation, gave up its war of succession against Nigeria. And in an item I feel I should comment just a bit on, on this date in 1926, the radio program Sam and Henry debuted on WGN Radio in Chicago. The show starred Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell. They portrayed two black characters from Harlem looking for extra money during the Great Depression. The show was later changed to the name by which it is best known, Amos and Andy. It was the highest rated comedy in radio history. The show had something like a 35 or 36 year run on radio at the height of its popularity. Movie theaters would not even bother to run uh, motion pictures while the show was broadcast because they knew everyone would be home listening to the radio. 
The, uh, the NAAC, of course, protested against the show on radio and later in its television manifestation, and it was taken from the air in 1968, never to return. I, uh, I, I personally find this to be very sad because I grew up as a child of the 50s watching the Amos and Andy television program, and I can tell you the only time I saw black doctors, black lawyers, black professionals was on the Amos and Andy program. I have a few copies of the, of the show. I looked at them uh, not more than, I think, about six weeks ago and still laughed very heartily at uh, what Spencer Williams Jr., starring as Andrew H. Brown, and Tim Moore as George Kingfish Stevens were up to. I think it's a shame that uh, younger viewers have never had a chance to see Tim Moore as George Kingfish Stevens. Uh, you know, it's like there's Jackie Gleason as Ralph Cramden. There's perhaps uh, Phil Silvers as Ernest Bilko and from the early days of television. And I think eclipsing them all perhaps might be Tim Moore as the Kingfish. And yes, I can see the objections to the fact that Andy Brown never seemed to have a steady job and George, uh, George Stevens was always up to, up to no good trying to get rich quick. But on the Honeymooners program, so was Ralph Cramden and his buddy Ed Norton. It was the same thing. I never associated as a kid with uh, being, you know, a, a racial stereotype. I'm curious to know what you think, you older uh, listeners who had a chance to see uh, Amos and Andy uh, in, in, in your younger days. Send us an email at info at Radio Parallax and let me know what you think. And, and for you younger uh, listeners who've never uh, had any exposure to either the old radio program or television program, uh, I would suggest that you take a look at it and, and uh, come to your conclusions and let me know what they are. This might be a good point to interject early in the program that the views expressed on it are those of the host alone who do not reflect those necessarily of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. Our quote of the day comes from Prosecutor Ann Donnelly, who was uh, going after Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski in his trial for securities fraud. <laughs> during which the ousted executive, who was found guilty, insisted he wasn't aware that the hefty bonus he gotten hadn't been noted on his 1999 tax return. Prosecutor Donnelly asked him, you did not notice that $25 million was missing from your W-2? And, no, I'm sorry to report, we do not have Mr. Kozlowski's reply. Our joke of the day is as follows. A man in New York City walks out in a downpour, hails a cab, gets one in seconds. The cabbie says, perfect timing. You're just like Sheldon. Who? said the passenger. Sheldon Cohn, a guy that did everything right. Well, no one's perfect, said the passenger. Oh, Sheldon was pretty close, said the cabbie. He was a terrific athlete, could golf with the pros, sang like an opera baritone, danced like Fred Astaire. He was handsome. He was sophisticated. He had a memory like a computer, could remember everybody's birthday, knew all about wine, which fork to eat with. The guy could fix anything, not like me. I change a fuse and the whole neighborhood blacks out. And the guy, well, he knew how to make women happy. Well, no wonder you remember him, said the passenger. Sounds like a memorable guy. Well, I never actually met Sheldon, said the cabbie. Then how do you know so much about him, asked the passenger. After he died, said the cabbie, I married his wife. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Uh, before I get into these, I should note that over the Christmas holiday, I had a chance to see, for the first time, the movie The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I was quite knocked out by Eli Wallach's performance, who I thought just absolutely steals the movie. Clint Eastwood is, you know, Clint Eastwood, but Eli Wallach is unbelievable. And Mr. Wallach wrote a book last year called The Good, The Bad, and Me, and we are trying to track him down to be a guest on this program. I give you better than even odds we're going to succeed, so hang on for that. All right, we have our good and bad selections from The Week magazine, as we often like to do. They judged it a good week last week for Swift Justice. After a mugger who robbed a couple at a South African zoo tried to hide from his pursuers in the tiger enclosure, where he was promptly mauled to death. Conversely, last week was a bad week for glory. After the female winner of an Austrian marathon crossed the finish line and kept on running until she was out of sight, organizers later said the woman had called in sick to work and didn't want her employers to see her on television. And last week was an ugly week for pest control. When, in Fort Sumner, New Mexico, a mouse got its revenge against a homeowner who tried to dispose it in a pile of burning leaves. The blazing creature ran back into the man's house and set it on fire. Evidently, Luciana Maris of Fort Sumner said he caught the mouse inside his house and wanted to get rid of it. I had some leaves burning outside, so I threw it in the fire, and the mouse was on fire and ran back into the house, Maris said from a motel Saturday. Village fire chief Juan Chavez said the burning mouse ran to just beneath the window, whereupon the flames, I guess, spread up the drapes from there and throughout the house. No one was hurt inside, but the home and everything in it was destroyed. Said Village Fire Chief Captain Jim Lissy, I've seen numerous house fires, but nothing as unique as this one. Now, uh, having uh, been a pet owner that had mice in the past, I don't believe that the burning fur of the mouse could have done this. I think he must have been dragging back in some burning debris. And I'm sorry to report we have no word on the ultimate condition of the mouse. But I gotta say, you shouldn't dispose of an animal in a burning pile of leaves. <laughs> I don't know. There's some karma there. I'll tell you one thing. Luciana Mares is, is never going to try and dispose of a mouse in a burning pile of leaves again. We like to do a few miscellaneous items. Here's from the, I think has to be from the Only in America file, Dateline Miami. 15 Cubans who fled their homeland and landed on an abandoned bridge piling in the Florida Keys were returned to Cuba Monday after U.S. officials concluded the structure did not constitute dry land. Under the U.S. government's wet foot, dry foot policy, which we've talked about on this show before, Cubans who reach dry land are usually allowed to stay. Those caught at sea are sent back to Havana. But these Cubans, including a two-year-old boy and 13-year-old boy, were sent back because after they were rescued and held aboard a Coast Guard cutter, our governmental authorities, in their wisdom, decided that the old seven-mile bridge, which they had reached and runs side-by-side side with a newer bridge, 
is missing several chunks. And since the Cubans had the misfortune of reaching pilings from a section that no longer touched land technically, they therefore had a wet foot and were sent back to Cuba. How about this one? A study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association came to the conclusion that, you know, when you wake up, you can't really make good snap decisions. And that this may have some implications for people such as physicians, pilots, truck drivers, and military personnel. Apparently people, after being given a uh, full night's sleep in a sleep center, were awakened and given a math test. Guess what? People performed worse within the first three minutes of awakening. Previous studies have shown that what's called sleep inertia may affect cognitive performance for up to two hours. Now, my question is, dear listener, is there anyone out there over the age of 12 <laughs> that this surprises? Apparently it takes, uh, you know, learned researchers at the University of Colorado and Bol- at Boulder and Stanford University to, uh, to, basically, to basically come to the same conclusion that, you know, anybody out of junior high is already aware of, that when you wake up, you're not thinking real clearly. I have never understood my profession, that being medicine, ignoring this simple reality of life. I just, it's, it continues to puzzle me. Also from the world of medicine is the news that there is no clinical evidence that over-the-counter cough expectorants or suppressants actually relieve cough. Dextromethorphan, often listed on the cough syrup labels as DM, or diphenhydramine, better known as Benadryl, offer any more relief to children suffering from cough than sugar water. The study showed there was considerable evidence that older type antihistamines, such as chlorpheniramine, look on the label of your cough syrup, uh, uh, do help a bit. The newer brand name antihistamines, Claritin, Zyrtec, and the like, do not help coughs. I'll uh, have more to say on this subject uh, next week. But I'm going to take a little break now and <clears throat> take care of this cough I got here with a little bit of Phenergan codeine. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover, so let's uh, let's go out a bit early. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I'm Douglas Everett, and this is Radio Parallax. Stay tuned for our uh, visit with John Edwards. <laughs> 